Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. You have never failed me yet. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who never fails. We don't always understand what you're doing, and we don't always understand your way. But this we can say is that you have never failed may not have worked out the way we wanted. We may be experiencing a delay, but this is our confidence that you have never failed. And so we lean into this moment and we lean into our future with this hope and with this belief that you are right here with us, leading us, guiding us every step in the way. And like David said in Psalms 23, though we might be walking through some valleys and it seems like death is all around us, we will fear no evil for thou art with us. You're with me, you're with us, and your rod and your staff have never failed us yet. Oh God, we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let everyone who believes just say amen. Oh, come on now, say amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. It is indeed so, so awesome and so good to be here. Thank you so much, uh, George and Minty, for leading us and for serving in this capacity. Yeah, let's just put our hands together. Uh, just also want to give a major, a major shout out to all of those who are making this, this production happen behind the scenes, from Keith and Steven to the entire crew, the camera guys, and just all that they are doing. Yeah, they make, they make it seem easy, but if you would just really see what's going on, um, they, they're, they're pulling their hair out, but they are doing a phenomenal job. And I also just want to give a shout out to our next-gen um, ministry leadership um, I don't know if some of you all may have missed it, but this morning they had a full production for our, our kids, and we're not calling it kids worship, we're calling it family worship, uh, family worship together. So if you have young ones and you want to worship with them together, then we want to invite you to be in the, in the building um, Saturday morning at 10.15 when we get started with our, family, with our family worship. And so thank you, JB and Sabrina and Yasmin and all of those who helped in between. You know, yes, last week we talked about uh, what Christ did on the cross. Were y'all here with us last week? Praise God. Y'all, many of y'all were here. We talked about what Christ did for us on the cross. And for the next several weeks, I want to just kind of shift and transition a little bit. Um, and, and I really feel compelled to talk about your life and my life and where we are going as believers. You know, if you know me personally, you know that I am all about having a clear plan for your life. I'm all about vision. I'm all about clarity. I'm all about being, being able to see what God is doing and how he's doing it and why he's doing it in your life. And so I want to talk about that today from, from the word of God. We're going to spend most of our time in the book of Jeremiah, but we're also going to jump over to the book of Ephesians. Those are our two main, our main passages. And I'm going to be reading most of the time from the message version. If you have your phone and you can look up the message version, if you're online, you can look up the message version. But we're also going to be looking from the reading from the New Living Translation. And I just want to start Jeremiah chapter one. I'm going to read it and then we're going to jump into the word. Jeremiah chapter 1, and let's just read together verses 1 through 5 from the message version. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Now, I might get excited. They put me on a timer today. They said, you can't go forever, pastor, right? You got to let the people go. Um, but I haven't had anybody say amen to me in a long time. Right. And so if y'all get talking, if y'all talk to me, it might encourage me to 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 to, to expedite this thing and cut to the chase. If y'all don't say anything to me, then I'm going to keep preaching till I get some type of response from you. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Jeremiah chapter one, the message of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, of the family of priests who lived in Anotha, in the country of Benjamin. God's message 
began to come to him during the 13th year that Josiah, son of Am, reigned over Judah. It continued to come to him. During this time, Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, reigned over Judah. And it continued again to come to him, clear down to the fifth month of the 11th year of the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, over Judah. The year that Jerusalem was taken into exile. And this is what the word of the Lord said to him. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. And before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. I profit to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Father, as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I just recently stumbled upon it, and I've heard her name before, but for some reason I just really came into a deeper understanding of an individual who seemed to have lived such a dynamic life. Her name was Helen Keller. Is anyone familiar with Helen Keller in this place? Yes, yes, yes. Many of us are. I don't know why I've missed her. I feel like at some point I probably did a book report on her when I was in elementary school, but for some reason it didn't stick. But just this last week, I stumbled upon her story, and she really lived a dynamic life. And I just want to share just a few highlights from her life. Most notably, the the power behind her life is not the fact that she authored some 14 books and gave hundreds of speeches and essays. It wasn't that she was an animal rights activist or a disabilities rights activist or a women's suffrage rights activist or a labor rights activist. It wasn't just that she used her voice to advocate for world peace. It wasn't just that she used her voice to advocate for the NAACP and the American Civil Liberties Union. It wasn't the fact that she advocated on behalf of survivors of of the Nazi Germany camp and 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 everything that happened during Holocaust. That wasn't the fact, that wasn't what made her life so, so dynamic and special. What made her life so interesting and what made her life so dynamic is that she did all of these things both blind and unable to speak. That when she was 17 months old, as the story goes, I believe 17 months old, she lost her ability to speak. And some rare disease that cost her her eyesight. Blind and deaf, it it affected her at such a young age. And yet she still went on to do all of these major things. I mean, my God, she wrote 14 books and gave hundreds of speeches while both blind and unable to truly speak. In an interview, someone asked her an interesting question. They said, they said um, when you think about your life, they said, when you think about, about, when you think about your life, is there, is there anything worse than being blind? is the question they asked her. And her response to them was being able to see and not having vision is worse than being blind. I I want you to get that. Here's a woman who could not see and for much of her life could not talk. And when asked the question, I mean, if someone took away your vision, you would might think it would be the end of the world for you. But when asked the question, what is worse than than not being able to see, her response was not having vision. And as I was thinking about how remarkable this statement was, a woman who could not see, yet she had so much vision for her personal life, yet it reminded me, it caused me to just think about my own life, and it caused me to think about your life, and really ask myself the question, is it possible that there are so many of us who take our physical vision, our, our physical ability to see for granted? And that while we can see with our eyes, we have a major lack of vision. That's what I I really want to talk to us about for the next few moments and for the next weeks to come, because I believe that it's time for the people of God to really not just be able to see with their physical eyes, but to able to have clear vision for your lives. I mean, just think about it. Like, can you see clearly? Like, do you have a clear 
vision? Do you know why you're here? Do you know your purpose and your calling? Do you know what God has called and ordained you to do and to be? I feel like many of us, so many of us, we just lack that vision clarity. We lack life clarity. So many of us are living our lives from day to day. We have jobs, we have spouses, we have children, we have school, we have responsibilities. For so many of us, we're going through the motions and there is some, some future picture that we're marching towards, but we really lack that crystal clear vision that animates our present life, that informs our daily decisions, and that really inspires us to continue to persevere in spite of obstacles and in spite of tribulations and in spite of difficulties. We lack that compelling call upon our lives. And my, my prayer is that before we leave today, that everyone in the building and everyone online would be able to clearly know that God has called you for a specific purpose, not a general purpose, but a specific purpose, that you are not an accident. Say, I was not an accident. Come on now, talk back to me. I was not an accident. Say, I have purpose. I have calling. I have destiny. I want you to be able to know for certain and to be able to have extreme clarity concerning what that is. Because for many of us, when we look at our lives, our lives, are just blurry, blurry. Some of y'all out there wearing glasses. I see you out there, yeah. I used to be with you. Yeah. I had Lasix, praise the Lord, somebody. <laughs> I had corrective eye surgery. But I, I used to wear glasses and I was uh, nearsighted, could not see things far away. And it presented some challenges um, when I would try to drive without my glasses or look at things from a distance without my glasses. But the question is, when you see your life, what do you see? Is your life a clear picture or is your life a blur? When you look at your life, what do you see? Do you see the obstacles and the challenges? Do you see the opportunities? Do you see the difficulties? When you look at your family, what do you see? Like, do you know exactly why you're here and what you are called to do? Or do you feel like you're still trying to figure it out? And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure it out. But there comes a point where we need to stop trying to figure it out and we need to start living it out. And we need to have kind of in our, in our belly and in our soul a, 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 a clarity of picture that really calls us to pursue the future with inspiration and with power and with purpose and that informs our actions today. We need 2020 vision for our life. Now, I wanna just break this down for you real quick because this whole idea of 2020 vision, like, like literal vision, if you have 2020 vision, what that really means is that the first 20 is your ability to see, and the second 20 is what everyone else can see. So if you have 2020 vision, Literally, what that means is that you can see something from 20 feet away, the same that everyone else can see something from 20 feet away, right? If, if your vision is 2015, well, what that means is that you can see something from 20 feet away that everyone else can't see unless they're 15 feet away. But if you have 2100 vision, what that means is that you can see something at 20 feet away that others can't see something at 100 feet away. And so when you think about your life and this idea of 2020 vision for your life, what I'm suggesting is that my hope and my prayer for your life is that what you see for your life, uh, Sam, has the exact same clarity and the same picture and the same distinctness of what God sees from your life at the exact same distance. So 2020 vision is literally that you can see at 20 feet what God can see at the same distance that God can see it. That you, when you look at your life, you see exactly who you are and what you're called to do and where you're called to do it and what that looks like. And you see very clearly the same thing that God sees when he looks at you because this is the assumption that I'm operating from. That God has a dream and God has a picture and God has a plan for every single one of our lives. If you're with me, say amen. Like that's the assumption. Some of you all not, may not be buying into that assumption, but that's the assumption. 
that God has a plan for you. And it's not a general plan, Yasmin, that God has just kind of blanketed over all of the residents of Orange County or all of the members of Relove. No, that God has a very specific plan for you, Mary, a very specific plan for you, uh, uh, that God has something in, in, in detail, something that's unique, something that's particular just for you that he wants you to accomplish on this earth. That's the assumption. Right. And that you're not just here to live your life and to go through the motions and have some kids and have a house and have a white picket fence and get a boat and 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 and, and have some fun with your friends. That that's not all that you're here to do. You're not here just to punch a clock and to work a nine to five. You're not here just to go to school and get good grades. Like all of those things are necessary and all of those things are important. And all of those things should be preparing you to experience and to accomplish the one specific purpose that God has for you. That's, that's the assumption. And so I want you to have 20-20 vision for your life. I want you to be able to see your life the exact same way God sees your life. I think parents can probably understand this a lot better because parents understand, and maybe not just parents, but older individuals who've lived life a little while, and you maybe have a, a child that you're either a parent of or that you, that you serve as a mentor of, that you can look at that child, you can look at that young person, that teenager, and you can see promise in them, you can see purpose in them, you can see potential, but they themselves can't see it. And you're trying to help shape them and direct them and, and guide them, but they're just living life like it's like, you know, you, own, like they're only, you only live once. And you're like, no, if you make these decisions and you go in this direction, it'll work out for you. You see something for them that they don't see for themselves. And I believe the same is true in our walk with God, that God is saying, listen, I want you to be able to see exactly who you are, why you are, what you're here to do. I have a plan. I have a dream for you that I want you to be able to see. But this is what's crazy, JB, is that I think human nature struggles with vision. All of us, we struggle with really seeing clearly what God wants for us because we have our own desires, our own ideas, our own upbringing, our own baggage that we bring to the table. And so as a result, all of these things begin to cloud the picture and be cloud our vision for our lives. Most of us, if not the majority of us, struggle with being able to truly articulate our reason for being. And I think if you are in that category, you're in good company because I would make a compelling argument that Moses had a, had a hard time articulating his reason for being. And Joseph, I'm sure, at some point had a hard time articulating his reason. Gideon, we know Gideon didn't believe what God had called him to do. The same with Samuel struggled to believe and Paul struggled to believe. All throughout history, all throughout salvation history, we can read of men and women who, to a large degree, have really struggled to truly understand what God's will and purpose is for them. Even when God came down and told them, this is what I want you to do, this is why I want you to do it, this is how I want you to do it, many of them still doubted so if you find yourself in that position where you're unclear it's still a little blurry you're doubting the plan of God you're in good company but I, what I want you to know is that you don't have to stay there and this is bigger than a career this is bigger than what you study in school it's bigger than a master's degree or a doctorate degree It's bigger than those things this is about calling calling we see this struggle of humanity in Jeremiah chapter 1 just to give you some context real quick. So Jeremiah was a prophet. We know that. Uh, he was a prophet to Judah. We know that. Judah was the southern kingdom. Israel was the northern kingdom. So let me just give you some context real quick. If you're taking notes, I would love for you to write this down. So, so, so up until this point, the northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed. And its people of Israel had been scattered. The southern kingdom, Judah, was heading down that similar pathway of being destroyed. Israel had rebelled against God. God had sent in uh, enemies, and they basically scattered them across the land. And so, and so the southern kingdom, Judah, was heading down a very similar path. Even though they knew what happened to the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, Judah, was still marching towards spiritual decline. They were still not listening to God. They were still not following the ways of God. They were not heeding God's command. And so Jeremiah was raised up to be almost like one of those last prophets who was called to warn the people of Judah that a day of reckoning was coming. I mean, he was like, listen, it's already happened up north. 
Like, it's about to come down here. And I want to let you know that unless you repent, unless you turn from your way, like, this Judah, this southern kingdom is going to be destroyed. And so Jeremiah's ministry began during this time. It was during the time of Josiah the king. Now, Josiah was a righteous king. Josiah was a righteous king who attempted to turn the people's hearts back to God, but the people still just refused even to listen to Josiah. And so Jeremiah preached for some 40 years, and yet the people still never turned back to God. But let's rewind at the very beginning of Jeremiah's ministry because something interesting happens in verses uh, 1 through 5 where the Bible talks about here, there is this man of Jeremiah. He comes from the family of Hilkiah, a family of priests who live in Anotha in the country of Benjamin. And then it says God's message began began to come to him during the 13th year and it continued coming to him and it continued coming to him. And so what this is really trying to share with us is that God had a plan for Jeremiah and he continued, God continued to bring the plan to Jeremiah over and over and over and over again. That God is not like that type of God who he's going to tell you once and if you don't hear it, well, too bad you missed it. Like, that's not how he serves. He's that parent who's going to tell you a hundred times and he's going to keep telling you, like, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And so the word kept coming and I, and I want you to hear what, what God says to Jeremiah in verse 5. He says, before I shaped you in the womb. I knew all about you. Uh, Do I got any parents in the house who uh, you had dreams for your children before they were even children? Yeah. Do I got any wannabe parents in the house who would like to take some kids home with them? No? Okay. (laughs) Wannabe parents in the house who have dreams for your children? One day, I have a friend uh, who's a pastor down south, and and every now and again, he gets on Twitter, and his wife is pregnant, and he's like always talking about, man, I can't wait till my son gets here. I can't wait till he gets here. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to meet him. And I'm just like, you got the, the next 18 years with this kid, like... Like, it's going, to be, it's going to be all right. But, but this father, he has dreams. And I think every parent, to a degree, has dreams for their child, even before that child is born. And, and what this communicates to us in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, is that God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, before you were ever shaped, before you came into this world, I already had a plan for you. I knew exactly what I wanted you to do. Before before you saw the light of day, Jeremiah, I had a a, a holy plan or a consecrated plan or a sanctified plan for you. And the plan, Jeremiah, was for you to be a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. This is my first point that I want you to get because I don't believe that this word just simply applies to Jeremiah and doesn't apply to us as well. What I want you to get is that the same way that God saw Jeremiah before he was born, before he saw the light of day, and he had a plan and a purpose and a calling for Jeremiah's life, I want you to understand just the same, that before you were born, before you were conceived, when you were just a twinkle in your parents' eye, God also had a plan for you. I mean, do you believe it? It's hard to believe it because some of us, we, we know that we were born in less than ideal circumstances. Our parents didn't plan for us. Maybe it was a one-night stand. Maybe this thing wasn't, maybe we tried to terminate the pregnancy, but God intervened. Many of us, most of us, a lot of us were born in less than ideal circumstances. And so it's hard for us to really fathom that God has a plan for us. But if you are alive and if you are believe, breathing, and if you survived that birth canal, if you survived the nine months in your mother's womb and you're here, it's because God God had a plan for you. I mean, can I get you to believe that? Can I get you to really believe it in your heart, in your soul, that you're not an accident, but that God had a plan, a unique plan, a specific plan, not a general plan that applies to everyone, but a specific plan just for you that you are one of a kind, that you have a divine design, a divine design, and that God's plans for you are so specific and are so unique that he has something exactly that he wants you to accomplish on this earth. Now, I, I want to just say this, that, 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 that God is sovereign. And the reason I believe firmly in this belief that God has plans is because God is sovereign, because God knows everything. 
And that because he knows everything, he knows the beginning from the end, he sees everything as it will be. And so he knows the specific role and the specific thing that he wants you to accomplish on earth. I, I love how Paul says this in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 10. And this is from the New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's poema. I've talked about this before. We are God's poem is what it's communicating. Marking that you are God's poem. You are God's masterpiece. That God took time to shape you and to form you and to fashion you just the way that you are. That you are God's handiwork. Paul says that you are God's masterpiece. That he created us brand new in Christ Jesus so that we can do things that he planned for us long ago. That God had a plan for your life long before you were ever here. That you have purpose that you have kingdom purpose, that each one of you have an assignment from God, that you were created more than just to exist, and Mrs. Sister Pat, more than just to live, that you were created with a mission. And that I know some of you may be retired and you feel like, well, I've, I've lived my life and now I'm, I'm just gonna put my feet up, but even as you are embracing and enjoying the retired life, that God still has a plan for you. That God's plan for you is not just to put your feet up and just to enjoy all the things that you've accumulated over the many years that you've worked and the hard work that you put forth. But God says, no, 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 no. Retirement doesn't mean you get to retire from the kingdom. Retirement doesn't mean that you get to retire from mission. I still have purpose for you. Right. And that even in our young age, those who are still working, that God's saying that your life purpose and mission is more than just punching the clock. But there is a kingdom agenda that I have called you to experience and called you to live out in your life. That is more than the kids and the job and the traffic. And I get it. Like, I'm with you. I, I, I understand that the kids and the job and the traffic and the school and all of these things can, can overwhelm us and to, and to make us feel like this is the sum total of our life. But I want you to know that God has more for you. He said this to Jeremiah. He said, listen, I have plans for you. I've called you. I've ordained you. And, and look at Jeremiah's response in verse 6. Jeremiah says, and this is from the, from the message version. It says, but Jeremiah said, hold, hold on, hold on, Master God. <laughs> hold on. He says, look at me. God, you just said you have plans for me. But Jeremiah's like, look at me. Like, I don't know anything. And then Jeremiah says, and I'm just, I'm just a boy. You mean you have plans for me to be a prophet to the nations? And Jeremiah's like, but look at, look at who I am. Uh, the New Living Translation says, but oh, sovereign Lord, how can I speak for you? I am too young. Jeremiah hears what God's plan is for him. But then his response to God is, but I'm not qualified. But I don't have enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not articulate, articulate enough. I'm not, I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough enough." power I don't have enough prestige or influence or I'm not popular enough and he begins to give God excuses for why he cannot fulfill what God has called him to do I mean have you ever ever been in Jeremiah's shoes all of us have where we start to give God excuses God calls us to do a and we're like well God I'm sorry I can't I can't do it because of this is the situation and, and I'm just not good enough and I'm not I can't I'm not like this person I'm not like that person and Jeremiah does that one thing that we should never do when God calls us, and that is we begin to doubt the word of God because of what we feel we do not have in ourselves. God comes in and says, Jeremiah, I got a plan for you. God comes in and he says, listen, listen, I got a plan for you. I got something I want you to accomplish. I got something I want you to do. And Jeremiah's first response is, I don't think I can do it. I think a whole lot of us are here. You may not have ever said that to God, but I think a lot of us are living like that before God. We're in our subconscious. We, we feel like whatever it is that God is calling us to do, well, he's just going to have to find someone else. He's going to have to go with someone else. Maybe he'll use the pastor or the church folk. And God's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I got a, I got a calling for the pastor, but I also got a calling for you, like a specific kingdom calling just for you. Many live our lives never fully embracing what God wants to do in us. 
because we feel like we lack something. We, it, it's almost like we, li- we shrink back and we live a life that looks nothing like the life that God designed for us. Or we begin to overshoot and think, well, I'm going to do great and mighty things and I'm going to do more. But God's like, listen, I've called you to go left. And you say, well, I'm going to go real hard and I'm going to go right. I'm just going to just do my own thing. And God is saying to us, listen, I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. Like, don't doubt me. Don't doubt my plan. He says this to Jeremiah in verse 7. He says, God told me. Don't say that, Jeremiah. Don't say that you're only a boy. I'll tell you where to go, and I'll tell you where to go, and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say, and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul, Jeremiah. I'll be right there looking after you, God decrees. God reached out, and then, verse 9, he touched my mouth and said, Look, I've just put my words in your mouth, hand-delivered. So what I've done, I've given you a job to do among nations and governments. A red-letter day, he says. Your job is to pull up and to tear down, to take apart and to demolish, and then start over building and planting. God was very specific for what, with what he wanted Jeremiah to do. Do not doubt the plan of God. And I just believe that as specific as as God was with Jeremiah, God wants to be as specific with you. Do you believe it? I mean, do you you really, really believe it? I I don't think we do. I think a lot of us just live our lives like, well, as long as I accept Christ, I can pretty much do whatever I want to do. And I just believe that... While that's okay, that's first space, but that's, there's so much more that God wants from us. There's so much more that he desires from our life than for us just to live a, a normal life with the God consciousness. God's like, no, I've called you to be my ambassador. I've called you to be my agent. I've called you to be my kingdom representative. I want to do the supernatural through your life, if you will believe it. Some of us can't receive truly what I'm hearing because in your mind it just doesn't make sense you can't understand how there are some what six seven billion people on this planet and yet God has a specific plan for you and that God has a specific plan for everyone but I want you to get this that he does and it may not be to touch the six billion people but it might be just to touch the few people that you live with or to touch the few people in your neighborhood or in your network or in your radius that God's like listen I have a kingdom purpose for your life. He said, before you were born, I love this. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. Now, I'm going to give you something to take away. I'm going to tell you right now what God has called you to do. And this is not in a general sense. I'm going to give you some options here. And we're going to begin to unfold this and work with this all through the next several weeks to gain clarity around what God's calling is for me. Because the Bible tells us that every single one of us who are here, that God has called us to do one of five things. You re- do you realize that? You may not realize that. That God has called every single one of us to do one of five things. And that our unique calling falls in the vein of one of these five things. The end goal is always the same. It's kingdom and it's impact. But what that looks like on the day-to-day basis will, will, will fall into one of these five. And Now, for Jeremiah, he says, what I've called you to do, Jeremiah, is to be a prophet. That's one of the five. In fact, he says that before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. That word appointed actually means I've given you, I've handed down to you, I've assigned to you, I've, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. That was Jeremiah's unique assignment. Now, we know a prophet is a mouthpiece, someone who speaks God's truth to God's people. And there may be some of us in here who also have received a similar calling, um, a similar appointment from God like Jeremiah received. That when you were born, God says, I have called you and appointed you to be a prophet to your family. To be a prophet to your community, to be a prophet to this city, to be a prophet to this world, to speak my truth to people. But, but Ephesians gives us the other, other insight into what God has called us to do. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, verse 11, Paul breaks it down for us beautifully. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, 
pastors, and teachers. Apostles, let me say it again, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, he says in verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So let's, let's run through this real quick. That every single one of us in here are one of those five. We are either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. That when you were born, God looked at you, Brother Dossman, and he says, Hi, I want Brother Dossman to be an evangelist. I have called you and appointed you to be an evangelist. He, he looked at each one of us. Naomi says, I've, I've called you to be a teacher. I've called you, I've looked at you, and I'm calling you to be this specific thing that each one of us we fall into one of those five categories, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Do you know which one you are? Do you, do you know which one you lean towards? Let's just break it down real quick. So we know that a prophet is a mouthpiece of God, right? If you're that type of person where you always got something to say, <laughs> and you're going to speak your truth regardless of what people say, I'm just going to tell, tell it like it is. We got anybody in here who's like, I'm going to tell it like it is type of person? Oh, I, I know there are a few of you all in here right now, right? Uh, we, I got a few of y'all in here who are, are, tell it like it is. Well, I'm going to tell you like it is, even if you don't like to hear it, Pastor, right? You, you might just have been appointed to be a prophet. I'm, I'm going to pray, pray hard. If you got to tell it like it is type of spirit about you. So prophet is one. Apostles, apostles are individuals who are more entrepreneurial. They like to, to um to create things, um, specifically apostles, they extend the gospel. They are viewed as the sent ones. They ensure that faith is transmitted from one context to another. So if you're that entrepreneur who likes to build and start maybe businesses, you're that person who likes to build new initiatives and start new things, like you might truly have been given that gift of apostleship and God has called you to be an apostle, to take the gospel and to figure out ways that you can transmit the gospel from one context to the next. There may be some people in here who's like, you know what, pastor? The reality is that there's people out there that God has called us to reach and they will never step foot into our sanctuary. So let's start something out there that they will step foot into. You probably have that gifting of apostle and have been called to be an apostle to the church. An evangelist is, is someone who likes to recruit people. They, have, uh, they love to talk. They are infectious with communication. They love in communicating the gospel and preaching the gospel and recruiting people to Christ. A pastor is a shepherd, someone who likes to nurture and protect. They are caregivers of the community. If you find that someone is hurting and you want to call them and see how they're doing and just touch base with them, you probably have been called or appointed to be a pastor. I want you to embrace that because many of you all here say, I can never be a pastor. But the pastor, what I'm doing is much greater than speaking behind a pulpit. But it is providing nurture and care for those who are hurting. And then there are teachers. Teachers are helping you to understand and explain. If you like to break things down, and if you always got a whiteboard in your back pocket, and you're like, listen, let me show you how this thing works and how these dots connect, you probably have been called or appointed to be a teacher. Now, this is much broader than whether or not you're actually teaching some kids in high school or elementary school. This is not about your career. This is about your calling. You can be a salesman and still have been called to be a teacher. Or if you're a salesman, there's probably something about you that, that, that is an evangelist in nature and you, like the, you have the gift of gab and you like to talk to people and recruit people to buy products that they probably don't need, but you want them to get them anyway. You have that gift of evangelist. Every single one of us here and every single one of us online, no one is exempt from these five. You can't look in the mirror and say, well, God didn't give me one of those five. No, if you are alive and you are breathing, what Paul informs us is that God has given every single one of us one of these gifts. He has called us to either be and function in the role of an apostle, in the role of a prophet, in the role of a pastor, in the role of a teacher, in the role of an evangelist, for the sole purpose of building up the body of Christ. And this calling does not end 
You don't retire from this calling. Because Paul tells us in verse 13, this will continue until all come unto such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. So we, I want us to, to, to no longer just to live life going through the motions of taking care of our family and clock, pushing the clock and going to work and getting jobs and saving for our retirement. All of that is necessary, but there is something much more important than just that. And that is what we read in Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 33 where he says, seek first the kingdom, do kingdom work, be about my father's agenda, be about my father's business, understand your gifting, understand your role, understand your position, your place, what God has called you to do in this world. And when you truly understand who you are and what you've been called to do and what that looks like let me tell you it just puts everything else into perspective life just begins to make more sense when you understand who you are and you understand why you are man i'm i'm like this because god's called me to be an evangelist doesn't mean i need to go get my theology degree doesn't mean I need to go to La Sierra or to a seminary. No, no, no. No, I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about calling. Then everything you do, you recognize, man, God has, I have this gift of apostleship where I just like to create things. I like to start businesses and start entrepreneurial endeavors and initiatives. And I want to start something that's going to help the church grow. That's going to help people, introduce people to Jesus Christ. I just have this, this calling about me where, where I like to make sure that people are taken care of. People are taken care of and they are nurtured. And they know exactly who they are and that God loves them and God cares about them. So, so this is what I want to get. Number one, I want you to understand that each one of us have a divine calling and destiny. That we are unique, unique individuals. But the number two, that your divine design, it points to your divine destiny. That the way God created you actually points to the thing that you should be doing. And that if you doubt your design, hear me now, if you doubt your design or how God created you, then you will question your destiny. If you don't think that you're good enough, you'll be like Moses. You'll be like, well, God, I, I stutter. I, I can't go and set the people free. You'll be like Gideon. You'll be like, well, God, but look at my family. We, we're like the lowest on the totem pole. I can't go and be a warrior and a, and, 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 and a mighty judge. You'll be like Samuel, and you'll be like, well, who, I, who am I that, I that I speak on your behalf? Or you'll be like Paul, and you'll be like, but God, I've killed so many of your people. How can I now become an apostle and a preacher and, and tell people of Jesus? When, I'm, when I was a chief sinner who killed the people of God. If you doubt your design, you will doubt the destiny that God is calling you into. And what I want you to do, and George, you can have your team come. What I want you to do is I want you to understand very clearly that to understand clearly and to have 20-20 vision for your life, where you see your life as clearly as God sees your life. To have 2020 vision for your life means that you have to come off of the fringes with your walk with God. It means that you can't treat God like a, like a, like a, a, a once a week type of date that you go on when you go to church or when you watch a service, but that's the only time you connect with him. You have to stop having a marginal relationship with God and you have to move God to the center of your life. You have to move to the center. And when you move to the center and you understand that, wait, God, for, for, for Christ I live and for Christ I die, that Christ is at the center of my life, that's when you begin to understand this is why he created me. This is who I am called to be. I am not an accident. I am ordained and called by God to serve this specific function for the people of God. That calling is felt and experienced in relationship with Jesus Christ. So my, my appeal for us online and for us in the building is that we would know why we are created. Why am I here? 
What has God called me to do? What have I been appointed? Some of you all, you're doing great financially, professionally, you're doing great things, but you don't know what your calling is. Your calling is not just to make money. (laughs) Some of you all are struggling trying to find your way because you're not clear on your calling. You're jumping from one major to the next and from one position, profession to the next, trying to figure out who you are. Your calling is much bigger than your profession. When you get clear on your calling, it clarifies your career, it clarifies your family, dynamic, your community, when you know who you are. So for the next several weeks, I want to begin to walk you through how to discover this unique calling for your life. How to discover, okay, who, what, has God given me the gift of, of, to, to be a prophet? I mean, do I, do I want to be a prophet? Has God called me to be a pastor? I mean, I mean, we, there is a pastor. I don't, I don't see myself as a pastor. Has God called me to be a teacher or an evangelist or maybe an apostle? And, and, and so what? So, okay, yeah, he's called me to be an apostle, but what do I do with that now? Do I just sit on it? What exactly does that look like? No, no, no. I want you to understand the calling that God has laid upon you and then how that is played out every single day in your life. And for you to have a very clear vision that this is the direction that God, the trajectory that God is taking me on my life and my family. He has called me very clearly to do this. And so I can see the destination. I can see, yeah, there's some, there's, there may be some ambiguity towards it and there may be some fuzziness towards it. But I'm clear on what I'm called to do and I'm clear on what I'm called not to do. So I'm not gonna chase any rabbits. I'm not gonna chase any distracting, shiny trinkets. But I'm going hard after what God has called me to do. To get there, it starts with saying, Christ, I wanna discover what God, which you have called and appointed me to be. I want to discover who and what you have appointed me to be. I want to discover who and what you have appointed me to be. I know I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a mother and I'm a daughter and I know I'm a salesman and I know I'm a contractor and I know I'm a nurse. I know I do all of these things, but God, who have you appointed me to be? Listen, if this is, this is something that you want to, to journey with us on, I want you just just raise your hand in this place and say, listen, I want to pray that prayer. God, I want to discover who you have appointed me to be. Online, you can just put it in the chat. Raise your hand in the chat. I want to discover who you have appointed me to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now in this place, Lord, the challenge of this life is to know What are we doing from day to day? Yeah, we know Christ died, we know Christ rose, and we have this God consciousness, and many of us have accepted you as our savior, but for whatever reason, that hasn't really filtered down into where we're going and what our life looks like and the trajectory and the path of our life. Yeah, we we wanna live moral lives, but God, it just feels like you've called us to do more than just live a good moral life. There is a mission that you have placed us on, and we want to discover with certainty and clarity what that mission is. Well, we're tired of wandering and ambiguity about our lives. We're tired of waking up every day and just going through the motions and punching the clock and not having any purpose, not having anything higher to aspire towards, not seeing a kingdom difference made in anyone's life around us. God, we want to be on assignment. Lord, we want to know, like Jeremiah knew, that before we saw the light of day, that you had appointed us for a specific purpose. May we discover that purpose in Christ. This purpose is not something we can retire from. It's not something that we can grow out of. It's something that we grow deeper into every day. So God, may we have 2020 vision. May we be able to see our life the exact same way you see our life. May we experience the dream that you had for us. May we experience the vision that, and the plan that you had for us. 
And may it be crystal clear. So God, in this moment, we invite you to remove whatever distractions, whatever issues, whatever blinders, whatever fuzziness, blurriness, whatever uh, 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 is impeding our, our vision, whatever, whatever relationships or, or, or aspirations that are rising in our hearts that are distracting us from truly seeking you and discovering your purpose and your plan for us, God, may you begin to just remove those things and giving us a, a sensitivity and awareness of those things that we can begin to, 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 to allow them to, to decrease so that we can focus our attention and our gaze on what you are doing and how you have called us in this season and may we no longer live with uncertainty for our call and for our days but may we live with clarity inspiration determination and intentionality god there's someone here watching online in the building who who is saying that not just do i need to gain clarity for my life but i i need to accept this savior called jesus christ there's someone in the building right now who says, I want to make a decision because truly understanding the call of God for your life starts with being in relationship with God. And so you might be here and you're saying, you know what, I need to renew my relationship. Through the pandemic, through the last few years of my life, I've gotten distracted, I've deviated, I don't spend any time with him, I really don't know him like I should know him, like I want to know him, and you just want to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is you, I just want you to raise your hand. You want to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to accept him as your savior. You want to get reacclimated with him. I see you. You want to say, God, I want you to come into my heart, to my life, to my mind. I want to start a new relationship with you. I want to start over with you. I want to be able to know your voice and follow you wherever you are leading me. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that are raised physically raised and you see the hands that are raised in our hearts God come close to your people and begin to draw us and align us our days to spend time with you hearing your voice seeking your face walking with you talking with you discovering your heart your purpose your passion your love for us God this is our prayer we thank you. We thank you for hearing and for answering. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.